I discovered a really interesting phenomenon here in the Pacific Northwest, and I want to see whether this is happening everywhere or if this is just here, because I don't recall this being a thing in Phoenix, and, and it almost would have made as much sense, if not more, to me. Hmm. I In my apartment complex initially is where I saw this, where I will walk by and there will be just five to seven people within the course of 50 cars, all just sitting in their car with the car on bumping music, like watching videos on their infotainment screen or having very loud phone calls. Like there is some cat who sits out here just having calls in his car. And when you hear the other person speaking back to them, it shakes the ground. It's like a fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex is doing a Skype call with this motherfucker in their car. And I'm like, well, it's cold and it's rainy. So maybe that's an explanation. And maybe they're waiting for their car to warm up, but it's not snow. Yeah. And you are literally 5 to 15 feet from your doorstep, depending upon wherever you're parked. So I don't get it. But then I go into parking lots. I cruise down to the Safeway. I'm going down to the Fred Meyer. I'm bopping into any number of uh, food places to pick up people just the sitting in their Wiggly. cars in the Piggly Wiggly. The, not the H&M, because I've only seen one of those in my uh, travels here thus far. But, uh, yeah, just folks just bombing in their car, just hanging out, you know, pumping exhaust up into the air, really kicking the greenhouse gases up as much as possible. And I don't know. Have you all seen this happening? I have only seen that in the parking lot of my daughter's school. And that is just because people are too. Exactly. They're too lazy to get out of their cars and they're waiting until school has been released to get up and walk there. But other than that, no. Pickup, I can understand. I so the pickup, I can understand. The grocery store confuses me a little bit. Yeah. But outside your house, I'm kind of on board with that because I can certainly envision a time where, like, I'm coming home from work if I didn't work from home anymore. <laughs> uh, and before going in, I just need that five, ten, fifteen minutes yeah. to myself to like decompress because I've been at the office or whatever. I you know worked my shift. And now I'm about to go in there with the 18 month old and, you know, the family and all that. And it's like, maybe I just need that 10 or 15 minutes to zone out, have some music or whatever. Yeah. So I can kind of see like just that little like woosa moment. All right. I now mean- to give further context, I also, uh, have seen people who sat there for, I tracked one cause it's a, a younger lady. Uh, she was in there for four hours. I think she was sleeping in the car. And now, granted, there's different circumstances for that. So maybe it is someone who's literally just hanging out and living in their car. And that's another thought. Yes. And I have also been on phone calls in my car and not want to try the transfer to hands, you know, or or deal with trying to, you know, move stuff over. So I'll just hang out in the car and finish my phone call and then get out as well. So, like, it's not unprecedented and not completely without, you know, logic. But at the same time, it's like... There's such a proliferation of people doing it that I'm like, are we this isolated now? Like the boy in the bubbles just out. We're in our little hamster balls, just bumping against each other out in the world that we just can't even be bothered to get out of our cars now. Well, are there so like, you know, I spent a long time in Texas and even now still in Virginia. So both kind of more conservative states. Mm -hmm. Is there still like mask mandates and whatnot out there for the Pacific North? I mean, it's, we, it's, it's the Pacific Northwest. So most of the places I've seen, it's like they suggest we would politely ask or, you know, don't give anybody the the best one is at the the library that melissa works at where it is saying it's like please don't harangue anybody else for their choices it's like right. we're all adults yeah. here and if someone chooses to still wear a mask like don't accost somebody because they're trying to be courteous and well, i was thinking if there was like a mandate or something maybe that's also part of it of mm-hmm. like you know i don't want to go in with regards to the grocery stores oh, yeah okay yeah. Yeah, let me finish store. yeah, yeah fair. let me finish doing what i'm doing before i go in and buy the groceries so i was thinking maybe that tied so, in with it some like the Fred Meyer I went to the other day, once I finally got my car back, there's another story. Uh, is this it like the two people next to me? I pulled into a parking spot, both people on either side of me, just hanging in the car. One had his feet on the dash, like kicked up, <laughs> like he was like taking a, a small five minute vacation in the front seat of the car. And the lady next to me was like on the verge of sleeping. Now, so I. Okay, th- this is something I have to ask. Like for for both of y'all, uh, both of you, 
and your cars, are your seats comfortable? Like where, like where you would rather sit in that car as opposed to moving the 10, 15 feet inside to sit in a comfortable couch, so, comfortable so, chair. Like, cause yeah, my so car isn't. So you kind of answered your own question because you said, you know, sitting versus moving. And I was like, you, <laughs> you lost me at moving. <laughs> Man, I, I, having moving 15 feet, 15 feet to your, to your beautifully sculpted, sculpted for your ass chair, you know, as opposed to the, uh, the the chair that is filled with dust or or something so, to that so effect. I'm gonna like circle. I'm gonna again. I'm gonna circle back to what I mentioned earlier. So in my car, I've got my heated seats. I've got my AC. I've got my music, and and it's got the nice little ass groove and stuff, right? So yes, my couch is comfortable as well. But in my car, I don't have anybody climbing over me. I don't have anybody screaming for Miss Rachel to be put on YouTube. So I. I don't- <laughs> So my oh I, I I forgot I did have a counterpoint to yours and I and I was gonna say that the alcoholic in me is saying well that's what bars are for on the way home from work but you know that's that's neither here nor there but very telling if you're sitting outside like okay granted let's say that you can have that same sort of alone time because we can kind of assume that at least a good chunk of people that are sitting in the cars in the Pacific Northwest okay. don't have an 18 year old that's just ready to <laughs> I don't have an eighteen-year-old climbing on me. Sorry, month, 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 eighteen wow. month old. We suddenly that, went that, to like a strip club daddy uh, instead of a you know no, actual. No. He father. doesn't need to bring up the the previous stories of him going to a strip club. We we already have an hour's worth of yes, that. Debbie two times. Yes, <laughs> yes, I got it. But an Chloe, eighteen Chloe month old uh, Chloe dancer. I'm sorry, I, I totally forgot my crown of thorns. Yeah. An eighteen month old ready to just. <laughs> climb and, and 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 overall just mess with your train of thought right yes we can assume that most people don't have that right for in well, your, I mean, the music of- does sound pretty good in a car too though so like th- uh, okay. you know, theoretically you know you might want to bump and, your tunes yeah in i'm your living car. in an apartment complex so yes you might want to just for noise control just enjoy some some joys in the parking lot but and maybe perhaps you have some folks who are sitting and enjoying a podcast like this podcast what? and so i would say to them by the eternal behold, behold it's the disinformed podcast i'm shane and michael's not gonna say anything because his eyes were just glazed over as he was just waiting for me to be fucking finished so he could speak as according to an episode that i listened to very recently Oh no! I forgot you do listen. <laughs> yeah, except for sure I do. said you listen, and you said I'd listen. And you'd you be disappointed, son of a bitch. <laughs> uh... Your eyes glaze over, and you just and see. I wanted to give you a sousson of having a conversation that doesn't take eighteen minutes before a fucking intro happens, and to have an intro that engaged the other you know folks who are going to be a part of the show. And see, you were there, chomping at the bit, ready to just say your name. And I'm no, you don't get the privilege this time. Shut the fuck up. I, I'm I'm sorry, I, Daddy. I'm kidding. I'm no, I'm, I'm joking. sorry, Go Daddy. Ahead. No, I'm Shane, <laughs> and, I'm, and Michael. I'm Michael. Thank you. Anyway, uh, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's just a weird phenomenon. I I'm still a bit nonplussed by it. But yeah, there's a lot of reasons. It's just I think the the sheer volume I'm encountering is what stupefies me. I I. I definitely I would be surprised if this did occur in Phoenix, given especially mm. when it's not winter, when it's, yeah, you know, fall, like for summer, the heat, spring. It would make sense of yeah. like, Jesus Christ, I'm not walking out into the oven. I just want to hang out in my car for another 15, 20 minutes, particularly around like ASU. Like, OK, this makes sense. I'm in Tempe. If I'm in fucking lot six, I don't want to have to take the 20 minute walk to class yet. Chill me or, down. Chill me down. OK, yeah. and go fortify me against the environs but yeah the car is new uh, in texas and here in virginia there's a lot of people that like so in the apartment complex i lived in in texas a lot of people would sit on the stoops and like you know have like a you know ghetto blaster playing like whatever tunes they had from and uh and hanging out but like and i and a lot of people sit on their porches here in virginia and and you know, there becomes a little social gathering as various mm-hmm. neighbors and, and people walking by. Like my neighbor seems to know everybody that lives in this bloody city because, you know, cars will just be driving by and they'll honk and he'll wave at the car. And then people will just be randomly walking by and they'll party. So he's the mayor of Cohog. I was going to say. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have a mayor too. I see. Okay. And not the one that you spent time rubbing elbows I'm, with. That's right. But okay. uh, a real mayor. I haven't seen anybody hanging out in their cars, but I do see a lot of people like outside, which surprises me both here, but especially in Texas. Cause like I'd go outside, there'd be a big group of gathering of people just mm-hmm. like hanging out, sitting by the stoops and like playing their music and stuff. And I'd be like, man, it's fucking hot outside. Why are you out here? It's also humid. Well, it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, I, I'm assuming cause I haven't been to Virginia, but like it's fairly humid where you're at, right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, in Virginia. Yeah. Not, not so much in Texas. Okay, Although like, fair. yeah, the humidity Depending. never really like yeah, impacts me. Yeah. Uh, as much like because people talk about oh well yeah you moved to virginia and yes it's like 10 15 degrees cooler than texas but it's so much more humid so it feels worse I, not really i i much prefer like 15 degrees cooler but a more humid environment than the dry heat but 15 degrees hotter see depends on how much hair you're trying to maintain I, that and also depends on if you're in the shade because i would lo- I, I would rather have 110 120 degree heat no humidity because i can get out of that by walking inside. Mm. Whenever I go to a place that's humid, that's more than like 20% humidity, I, I'm swimming. I cannot, I cannot get over it no matter how cool or hot it is. It is just stifling. And see, you say that, though. Uh, one of the things I absolutely loathed about Lake Havasu and different from like Phoenix heat, Lake Havasu was a saturating heat. Mm. So like you'd walk in when it was 126. The first 15 minutes that you were in a fully air conditioned space, you still felt like you had been baked for four hours. Like it, it just stuck with you. So it would oh, drain, yeah. like leached all the energy out of you. I never felt that way in Phoenix. Like oh, I'd yeah, be yeah. hot, but I would like Havasu would was oppressive for some reason. Oh, I just, you know. I mean, Lake Havasu, I mean, it's not sea level, massive, but, you know. yeah, but it's still big. So mm-hmm. definitely, especially like when you're close to the shore, I can imagine there being like a good amount of humidity just like just sitting there, just soaking in it. Mm. So swimming, if you will. <laughs> well, I was swimming when I got my car. So uh, if I didn't, so to impart that I, I've had some fun circumstances over the past little bit, but as we were running through the the cycles of the the most recent weeks this is where i'm going to get into the fact of like do we want to have do we want to get weird for a second ooh weird me so uh, i know how i know how you feel about <laughs> spectral activity there oh, michael oh no no not so, that weird not that weird no we're not going to get too crazy weird but i'm going to tell you a story and I feel like it is germane to my point when we get around here just for wrapping up one, the greater conversation we can expand into. But just I'm going to get a little doc for a moment here and talk about the time I rode the train in Saskatchewan um, and the the various onlookers I encountered and my fallouts with them. But uh, I feel like you're trying to insult me. But really, you're just captivating me with the upcoming story. Mm, That's what I'm trying tell. to do. I, I'm, I'm pulling you in. Go on. Spin me like, this yarn of yours. Like a moist slot bound for insertion. Uh, <laughs> so let me pivot. Ooh, it's dra- humid in here. Yeah. Swampy, in fact. <laughs> uh, so my brother, when I was editing his book, included a story from our childhood, which I, it's apocryphal and my family loves telling it because it speaks to kind of the man that I was to the, the you know, or I should, the child I was to the man that I became. And when I was probably six or seven, maybe nine, depending, I forget when it actually happened. We used to have to go out and cut wood because we lived in, you know, the mountains and we needed to maintain heat in the winter and it would snow up in the White Mountains. So we would go on wood cutting expeditions and we had this old clunker Chevy truck that we would take out and fill up all of the, the back. And my dad had built up these sort of spines on the back side of the bed to maintain all the wood that we needed to bring in. And in the midst of one of these wood cutting expeditions, we went over a particularly hilly terrain and my father thought he could navigate it with the truck. Uh-oh. He was wrong. Uh, we crashed into a re- pretty large rock bank. And from what I understand, because again, I was a child and a lot of this is just kind of like I was kicking rocks and walking around with having, they cracked the engine block. Oh no. Causing several portions of the engine to fall through several other portions of the engine. So there were fluids hemorrhaging all over the ground. There were things that were completely misaligned. I think like the, it was depicted as though like one of the axles had been just completely knocked off. So you're like, the wheels shouldn't be able to turn at this point. The engine shouldn't function. And we're sitting here and my dad's desperately, we have a full truck of wood. 
He's trying to get the engine to turn over and function. And we are probably four or five miles outside of town at this point. So a good hike. Yeah, it would have been hell. Now, I'm one, a chubby kid, and two, lazy as all hell. So when we get to the point that my dad's finally like, I don't think the truck is going to work. Like, we're going to have to pack things up. She's, yes, you know, uh, we've we've tried the paddles. She's not coming back. We're going to have to walk home. And then it was like, well, I don't want to walk. I was having a panic attack. And so my dad's like, well, I'll walk to the road, see if I can get somebody to come pick us up and then take us into town. And so from a child's recollection, I remember getting into the cab of the truck and praying that the truck would start. Now, this is a child, and this is the, the, you know, the ardent faith of somebody who has not had life beat that out of them yet. So, (laughs) and my brother told the story because it is baffling for him who was a teenager at the time, because my brother's five years older than I am. He knew what was going on in that truck. Like, he was well aware that the fact that that thing should not function at all. So... I finished my prayer, I got out of the truck, and I told my dad, try it one more time. So my dad, to shut me up more than anything, got <laughs> into the truck, the The thing started up. That truck ran from that moment until we got five miles into town, into our driveway. The second we crossed the threshold of our driveway, the truck died. <laughs> rolled to a stop They're like thank you jesus Sweet now baby that jesus. and to me as a child like that was a really for it gives me goosebumps thinking about it because there is no rational explanation that i have found in the intervening time frame as to how that happened now circumstantial evidence or more than anything because obviously the only thing i can point to as a kid who was there was just obviously it's my prayer is what pushed that thing over I and mean, that was my brother's contention in the book But as an adult, I always looked at that story with a cringe because I hated the fact that, one, I'm not someone who fancies myself as religious. And one, like, that's the the first thing that I will put forth as like a, let's put a, a stool here. Secondarily, like... It's circumstantial. There's so many well, other things that could have happened. And the sheer hubris of it, if, <laughs> exactly. if, if, if that's you believe, because it's yes. like, uh-huh. so, so Jesus and God, they're up there, and they're like, man, we got kids dying and starving. and <laughs> Like flies oh, sh- and children's oh, eyes Shane? in Africa. Yeah. Did you hear Shane, though? It, he doesn't want to exercise. Start, <laughs> he doesn't want to walk the four miles back. <laughs> On no, it. I got, got it. you. There's got a you, white fam. kid in peril. Please, <laughs> let's let's stop the world. There, there's fighting. I mean, it's probably like 96. There's fighting in Somalia, but no. Let's let this kid not have to walk home. <laughs> so, yes, like all of these things, it's fraught with peril to discuss this story. So cut two. Uh, we take Maisie to the uh, to the vet. We had to put her down. It was a really traumatic experience. Uh, Melissa had had that dog for almost 14 years. So we were uh, Melissa was distraught. And as I I had pulled in to get gas earlier that day and I had scraped my car because I went in the wrong way into the gas station. Uh So there was a pretty significant lip and arrows pointing out. So I'm an idiot for doing it. And so I'm like, fuck. But I filled up, went on about my day. As we are coming back up the hill, and this is a significant hill. One, it's raining. So we had a good downpour. We just had this terrible loss. So we are both like mentally fatigued like totally shot melissa had just worked a full day of work and then came home to that and it was a traumatic situation to get her to the vet i'm not going to discuss that because it's we don't need to sit and run that through because i will go to pieces i have cried on this podcast it's not unprecedented it is known (laughs) um we're coming up the hill and i look down at my instrument panel and my check engine lights on now i'm going okay and just Jesus, to show, you joke, but just to show how ingrained certain things are in our formulative functions, I just said, please, it, it, the phrase left my my mind, please, God, just let me get to the fucking apartment. Like, I do not want to have my wife walking home uphill in the rain after our dog just died and we had to watch it. Like, I'm not prepared for this right now. Like, I can just, every, anything else is like, just please let me get this thing home. and. It was shuddering a little as I went up the hill. And as I've said before, like there's 30 degree inclines where we're around. So it's everything leads up to we're on a hilltop. 
and we got to a pretty significant arc and I'm like, this is the point where I just want to get past here. And it shuddered a little at the stop sign. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. And then it held and we made it up and I'm like, okay, waiting for it. Got down through a little more of the general residential area and then made it through the other stop sign turned into our apartment complex and I shit you not we got in front of our apartment and my car died immediately <laughs> stopped like dead and in my head I went I am going to be the newly reformed reverend of automotive peril <laughs> if you are broken down on the side of the interstate put your hand on the stereo and through this like the medium of the podcast I will revive your automobile through the power of my you know uh, association with the Detroit muscle car god <laughs> See, Gene Simmons you- and I I will be able to conjure <laughs> your car up from death and then to Michael's point like to Doc's point the hubris of all of this is I'm just laughing in my head. I'm going like, this is fucking weird. And it died three <laughs> times in the parking lot while I was trying to put it into a spot. Like it just kept stalling out and stalling out, and stalling out. I was like, I'm so elated that this didn't happen on the road. And then I start thinking about it. And this is like a joke Melissa and I've had for a while. And I realize I'm talking for a very long time, which is why I said I was getting into doc mode here. So I, I beg your condolences <laughs> that I'm not letting anybody else talk. Sorry. But in the course of all this, in my secret heart, when Melissa and I have had these conversations and I realize I railed a lot against organized religion on this show. But I don't think I've ever discussed. I would fancy myself more an agnostic than anything because I. There's a pinhole of doubt that I cannot fathom how everything that has happened in the formulation of this universe and here for physics with Mike as we're getting into this, why why ghosts to me are not completely outside their own possibility because I don't empirically know. I don't have the hubris to believe that I can grasp the workings of the cosmos just, just that from Jesus what will take the wheel for you. Yes, and that's you know, <laughs> it's it's a fun sort of like interlude to get me into this point was what I was thinking about as I was going through all of this where I was like it's so funny that my brain in that moment of peril it did exactly what you know the atheist's prayer of like, you know, just God get me out of this and everything will be better. But it was just in my head. I was joking, but I just mentally, I was not fortified at that point for that car to break down and luck, sheer, dumb, circuitous luck got me from that point to the exact point that I needed to get to. And I wonder how many people, you know, would see that as an indication of God's intervention in our own life or someone who would look at it and say, what a strange confluence of events this is, but who that could then persuade into saying, see, these are, this is where, you know, he touches you in your daily life and the foundation of dogma and all of these other weird little, you know, sort of trysts that we have with the, the cyclopean sort of juggernaut that is the creator, if there is one or any of these other things, like how many weird missteps of the Oppenheimer, I've become death, the destroyer of worlds, these weird little cataclysmic events that occur that we can attribute to something greater than ourselves because we don't have the mental capacity to ascribe it to anything else. Cause we don't want to call it fate. You don't want to call it luck. You don't want to just say, ah, these things happen because you can't describe or you can't explain it sufficiently enough to go. Okay, this is what it is, definitively. And I'll tell you but, why. But that's only right now. I mean, right, right. the things that we can definitively explain now seemed like magic. Yes. A uh, hundred years ago and a hundred years before that same mm-hmm. deal, right? So, you know, it's only a matter of time before we really do hammer home all the answers. I tend to uh, also describe myself as agnostic with atheist leanings. Uh, only, but not because of some sort of glimmer of like, you know, I don't know, maybe more, more so because I tend to default to, I'm pretty sure there's nothing after death that we're just dust in the wind, but I don't know for certain because I don't know everything there is to know, because if I knew everything there is to know, would I not by definition be a God? Uh Uh-huh. So... (laughs) <laughs> and it, it's just funny you know we can describe and sorry i didn't mean to cut you off oh no you're way. fine 
it's one of the reasons I really appreciated some of the depictions of like, okay, well, religion or the idea of a soul is just sort of like a child's flashlight against fear of the dark, right? Like, it's just how we sort of sate those inner stirrings in ourselves that this all has to mean something. So it's really, it's an interesting war with what we know empirically, what we can experience, what we can rationally explain. And then the things that we can't, where it's like preternatural or supernatural, like how we ascribe that to something and like the, the peril or the pitfall of science versus religion is science. It concedes the point like, well, we can't explain that yet. And when you do that, that's like just expressing weakness to somebody who goes, well, I can just say it's this. My toaster told, said it was going to happen and voila, <laughs> Jodie Foster told me to do it. Like, <laughs> so it's really funny for me going through those circumstances. So Michael, for you, how do you feel about like, are, would you call yourself, I know you're a Satanist, but, uh, what, what, how, what are your feelings about sort of like spirituality in general or, or how you look at these things? Not to get too existential. Oh, no, no, no. That's, it's, it's, it's something I do think about from time to time. Um, mainly just to, uh, remind myself where I'm at. Um, I don't like to, I don't think about those things because I feel that I don't have enough information to give an answer. Um, as Science. for uh, yeah uh, exactly yeah textbook yes it's like, not a bad thing yeah um i mean ghosts i choose not to believe in them only because it's something that we should be able to with all the evidence that has been presented as we have done through other uh you know uh, uh after darks and stuff like that mm. uh it's something that should be recreated because that's the basic uh, premise of of science is that these physical laws, they can be recreated. There is some, and so many hopes about- have been discovered. Yes. Yeah. But like, will I go, will I sit here and say that ghosts aren't real and tell, you know, someone that till the, I'm blue in the face. No, it honestly, at the end of the, at the end of the day, which is a phrase that I, I don't like saying, cause I think I said that a lot last time, but no. like to me, um, it, there's not really a point in arguing with someone about their beliefs. Right. Because like, and, See, that's the thing is I'm not I don't want this to spur or feel like we're justifying a stance of more of this is exploratory because like listening back to the past couple episodes, which I only got through the the first one, I was just kind of running through a bunch of other things. But um, it's funny to hear people's perspectives and your experiences and how the two kind of govern one another. And so hearing somebody's outlook on things is fascinating to me. It's one of the reasons I like the show. It's one of the reasons why we have these conversations in the first place. And I don't think we've talked about this in nearly 200 episodes. I don't think we've gotten to, we've talked about religions and we've talked about sort of what my fundamental sort of the fundamental flaws that I see in a lot of them is that they tend to try to, overemphasize their own importance in things where it could just be like, you know, if you believe in a higher power, great. And I always felt like a personal relationship with God is a really fantastic thing. If you have one, because it gives you a lot more clarity of thought, there's peace of mind there and you can kind of, you can call it the opium of the masses or whatever you want to, but I'm sure, you know, a lot of those, you know, folks sleep better in knowing that there is a guiding hand governing. Whereas I have more of the Neo (laughs) perspective of just like, I don't like feeling like I'm not in control of my own life. Yeah. And those are the funny aspects where then, but my car breaks down and I sure shit want somebody else to intervene. Right. So, uh, but in any event, so I will go back to Michael and I'll let you run from that, but it was just, I don't expect for you to say like, well, this is why I feel this way. It's just, I, I, was curious because i've never i don't think we've ever discussed this you are right uh we have not honestly i did not really take you as agnostic i mean like if i were to sit well, like yeah. pour over the close to 200 episodes like a a, a lore master of uh-huh. our podcast could probably say well actually in these five episodes he alluded to it mm-hmm. but like you never i don't think you've ever outright like said definitively that that is your stance but i mean like I never, I I never, it was never my business. I've always Mm. taken religion to be a very personal thing, which like, and and I think that's by way of my parents is like how they raised me. Mm -hmm. My parents are very anti-authoritarian when it comes to religion. They're very against organized religion uh, because they're like, well, I don't want someone else telling me how I should worship, how I should believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of took that a step further and just not having anything to worship or or believe. But like, I understand if other people do, 
And I'm not going to well, sit here and be like, well, you know, here's here's the 10 re- reasons why you're wrong. Like I was never um, was it the phrase that I heard in college, a militant atheist. Yes. I was never one of those people that's like, well, I believe this way. And now I need to convert you to that because like that word I convert is very remiss. It's triggering. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like convert like because that's. If you believe in that, like as long as you're not trying to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong, I don't. Do exactly. That's the problem, though, is that a lot of religion is doing that, which exactly. is true. It, not 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 necessarily what you're doing, but what other people are doing, as yes. well. which is very and true. So, yeah, yes. so that's where I I I've never been a you know a militant atheist just because I think, and this isn't to step on people's toes, but I think that uh, religious people. Uh, lack some critical thinking skills yes uh, which is the thing that i think both you and i appreciate being pastafarians from that perspective and why satanism is really alluring to me as well is that it does tell you you are somewhat reliant upon your own mental acuity to function and thrive which is why magic i think is also alluring to some people because it's that same principle that you can have a general impact on the outcome as opposed to just saying mm-hmm. well Got to toss it up to God. I'm a deathbed repentance uh, kind of person. You know, like those things really bother me as well. And that's why I don't bother with the in terms of converting anybody, because Mm -hmm. to me, it's, you know, you're just pissing into the wind because you're not actually going to succeed on it. So you're really just wasting your own breath. Um, But I do tend to not necessarily like judge, but I do have some preconceived notions usually when I'm talking to somebody that, you know, comes across as very like staunchly religious and it mm-hmm. is a definitive part of their personality and, and how they define themselves. Understandable. You know, like, you know first I'm a, first I'm a Christian, then I'm going to, then I'm a conservative, then I'm mm-hmm. a whatever, right? Uh, if that's one of your labels that you are putting on yourself, I'm like, oh, okay, I could probably assume a couple things that. I'm probably going to disagree with. And purpose, it's also in instances where they're in the middle of a, hippo, uh, a hypocritical rant in the middle of that by justifying by saying, first off, the caveat is, I'm a Christian. How dare you say that? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah like, I'm not a racist, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, so it's it's an interesting sort of like spool to get around to how I finished up the end of this voyage was uh, my car. I had to take it to a shop that was relatively close, but it's about a mile away from my apartment, which it's uphill walking and I would drop it off. And uh, because of COVID, they do not allow folks to be in the shop. Funnily huh. enough. So we're, Still. as I said previously, there were no restrictions. This shop in particular was just like, yeah, we don't allow folks to stay. So, um, and I'm like, I'm that cheap bastard who is like i'm not calling an uber i'm just gonna walk home yeah it's, it's a mile so, it's not terrible yeah, it's a mile it's not bad total downpour oh, both no. times no. and so as i i was walking in the rain both ways and i'm just laughing at myself i was like yep this is what you get for being cheap asshole <laughs> and then i got it back took it home it died again when i got to the apartment complex it was fine all the way back Got into the the parking lot, died on me right in the same spot, and I'm like, okay, so either the devil has taken over this <laughs> segment of ground, or there's just something about this. So then I had to take it back in, get it worked on again, and all of this goes to find like finally saying the funniest circumstance was is all the other work that they did. They're like, oh, everything should be fine now. Wasn't they discovered upon the second look through that under one of my um, solenoids. Human hair had gotten attached to one of the prongs, and so it was not able to make a full connection, and so that was what was causing it to stall out. And this is, you know, I have had that through the entire trek of the, you know, 1,200 miles to get from Arizona to Oregon. I drove with that like that. Had no problems whatsoever. Got three months into living up here before that finally reared its ugly head. So really weird. Just like the the nonsense that happens just, you know, despite itself. Where you go like giving you, you a sign. Not even that. I just I it's more <laughs> it was it was a funny joke to get through the the whole nonsense to to lead into a grander conversation. But I just was like all of that is the separation of several human hairs goes from something functioning 
perfectly to it going completely off the rails and just that you know i if there's there's a metaphor in there somewhere but our lives are held in the balance by the separation of you know a couple hairs of god exactly so it's just it was an interesting set of circumstances to finally get around to that is why i did not feel like recording shows because i had been running through all that my achilles was giving me problems i'm like i'm an old man falling to pieces walking through the rain like, you know, just scouring through uh, scores of things in the Salvation Army just to pass the time. So it's like, I don't want to walk home in the rain again. And then like, oh, fuck it. I can't look at this uh, you know, swath of Dean Koontz books for any longer than <laughs> I have already. But uh, so there you go. That was well, our I'm, age of spiritual machines. I'm definitely with you. Like, I, I, I have often thought about the not necessarily hair, but the inches in which can change things so drastically. Like. I think I've referenced previously, maybe not, uh, but in September of uh, 2019, I got in a car accident uh, and I was I was at a stop sign and uh, I was going to make a right and uh, a truck was slowing down to turn in. And so what I should have done was, of course, wait for the truck to do its turn, ensure everything was clear and turn out. But I saw the truck was, you know, had his blinker on, was slowing and he was going to turn into the street that I was on. So I thought, perfect, I'm safe. And a Mustang that was zooming behind the truck didn't want to wait for the truck, so just quickly zoomed around the truck. Which, of course, it's my fault because technically they had the right of way, right? Because I'm the one turning and out. They were in traffic, right? Uh, yeah, but you know, I didn't expect the car to come just zooming around the the truck. And so, you were hoping for common courtesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so it uh, it it hit me and my little Nissan Versa hatchback, and uh, and totaled my car. Just like like a like a tin can, and if it had been about like eleven inches further, like if I had, if I had just moved out eleven inches further into the turn, which is just a fraction of like a second, right, just uh-huh. a slight bit on the pedal, then uh, then I would have died, like I would have been dead, because uh, the entire front of my car was just toast, and it stopped right around where my car door was, and so my whole car like spins around, and the the front's just a garbled mess, uh, and I stumble out, and my like. My ribs hurt from the jolt of the uh, seatbelt, yeah. but I'm able to like walk out fine. And even the the Mustang guy, his his car was perfectly f- like, or his car was messed, but he was perfectly fine. And he gets out and he's like, "Are you okay?" And uh, and like I said, if that eleven inches more, just a fraction of a second longer, when I had turned out, I'd be dead. But because I didn't, and that eleven inches was there, uh, I'm just like, "Oh yeah, no, the only thing that hurts is my pride." <laughs> <laughs> and and so it's just that that I have often reflected on that just because it all happened so quickly mm-hmm. because like I'm looking cars you know, the truck's about to turn I look over to make sure nobody's you know coming you know going to step into the crosswalk and then I turn out and as I look back over I just see the flash of red and it's like wow yeah it it just is so surreal because I'm like it happened so quickly that there was no time for me to yeah. prep or do anything could have died but uh. The you proverbial know, luckily, blink of an eye, as it yeah, were. Exactly. And, and so it, I have often reflected since then of just how how quickly things can turn. Yeah. And then you immediately went online, went onto YouTube and watched the music video for POD. Uh, <laughs> See, you go live. You, you go that way, and I was chuckling because, in the midst of his harrowing circumstances, I went to the hero's reference of Nissan Versa. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, thank you for that. That was a nice pop. Uh, but yeah, these it's it's so weird to then contemplate, you know, how fragile we are. And then this grand galactic sense of self was one of the reasons why I love True Detective. I think the sort of nihilistic uh, Rustin Cole sort of soliloquizing about the fact that, you know, here we all we are these weird sentient, you know, globs of meat walking around with this grand self-imposed sense of grandiosity. Like everything means something. It's all for me. Right. And my story is perfectly indicative of that of just like say like, well, obviously the cosmos stopped because my car needed to make it another, you know, 800 and 900 yards. But it's so silly to, you know, give yourself that air of importance that like, oh, well, obviously this is all for me, right? Like, it, it's just, and so more often than not, I always look at things as like, it's just the grand confluence of events and certain particles move a certain way at a certain time. Well, see, it's interesting that you say that because I thought, I thought very much that same thing earlier when you said 
that you're sure that the religious folks sleep better at night. Uh-huh. Because I thought to myself, I would think it's the opposite. Because if I thought that I've been created by God and he has some sort of plan for me and, you know, and, and then I'm thinking like, well, what's his plan? Why, so why, why did he put me here? And then also I'm thinking like, why does God let certain things happen and not other things? Right. And why, and whereas me, I'm just like, none of this matters. We're here until we're not. Okay. And so be it. And so it's like, otherwise you're on a runaway I, train, essentially. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I would, I would feel like the nihilistic attitude is not pessimistic, of course, but mm-hmm. I feel like that would allow you to sleep better at night because it doesn't matter if you have a bad day because none of this really matters in the end. Well, uh, so like approaching it with the optimistic nihilism, uh, which is the optimistic <laughs> part is the most way is the best way to you know help yourself so sleep at you, night. But you not hope a lot for of people, the best, expect the worst. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. but like that sort of nihilistic behavior, not a lot of people can handle that when they're like like people always innately want to feel like they have that they are part of a story, like that has some sort of payoff, and I feel like that's why. To Shane's point, why a lot of people that are religious are able to sleep better at night for, you know, lack of a better phrase. Well, see, phrase, those people but... just need to watch Pulp Fiction because that's just their ego fucking with them. <laughs> if they think they age like, like wine. They're thinking their ass going to age like wine. If it <laughs> yeah. means that it turns to vinegar, it do. If you think it gets better with age, it don't. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, no, I, it's, what's funny is, uh, to Michael's point on that, I think part of my sort of cresting into middle age has really kind of helped fortify a lot of my thoughts. I don't care if there is a continuing story and more often than not these days, like I find I'm tapping out of a lot of that egocentric sort of way of thinking that I had held onto in my twenties. Certainly we're like, <laughs> Oh, this has got to mean something. I got to do something like I, uh, on my 18th birthday, I was in Vegas, and I looked up at the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, there's a, another fun story. If I haven't told you about my my parents took me to Las Vegas when I turned 18. Oh, Everybody man. else had fun but me. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, that sounds about right. It's a good way for us to to wind up. I'll, I'll finish with that story. But I was looking at the Hard Rock, and I was like, I'm going to play there before I'm 25. Like that is the that is the go- I did not make that I I didn't clear that at all I played venues that were much bigger and and had far greater importance and I've done things that to my barometer were a lot greater accomplishments but then I look back at it as like well see but you you failed on the thing that you set in front of yourself and I'm like so when you look at life I feel like if you just so many people keep moving the goalposts on themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like if I missed like, oh, well, I wasn't supposed to do that anyway. Or if you, you make it as like, okay, well, here's, I, I have to go another step of field and another step further and another step further. And not to tell your story, Doc, but as like, I, you've endured some pretty harrowing circumstances to then get where you are now. And to have your perspective on a lot of things I find very uplifting and enlightening. And I appreciate a lot of that, which is why these days I'm more comforted by the concept of coming on here and just having a conversation and chatting because it's so funny what we discover about one another in the course of having these exchanges versus feeling like i got to come in with an agenda we got to have you know a topic and we need to be able to be the format of the show is like this is a lot more fun for me to just sit pick each other's brains and you know the disinformation this week is whether or not you feel like you know you can believe in god and hate religion or if you can hope for something to intercede as opposed to saying like i don't just want to succumb to the dirt and become worm food but i don't care one way or the other it's just Mm -hmm. i for me the to put the final cap on my perspective is i just at this point do not have the self-assurance to say i know everything and i can say with surety there's no god or i can say with surety oh there's absolutely a god it's like i'm open to experiences so you know what come whatever may if an apparition appears in front of me like 10 feet from my face i'm not gonna go <laughs> the ghost of christmas future exactly i'm not gonna just turn it and go like oh this can't be possible because you know physics teaches us <laughs> like i i'm more of just i'm gonna roll with the punches and i'm gonna see what happens but you were saying something doc oh no i was just i was going to agree with you uh it's because i i have these so quick little recap here as I, as you guys have known like I did a bunch of work in the backyard. I've got it like a nice little patio set up for myself. 
and the family. And so during the daytime, Cordelia, uh, when she's kind of fussy and wants to nap, we'll just go outside and I'll pace around outside in the sun with her and then she'll pass out on my shoulder. And so while I'm doing that with her, uh, I'm just kind of walking outside, getting the fresh air and just kind of lost in my own thoughts, right? Because I'm just trying to get her to sleep. So I have nothing else to do but think. And it's during those times that uh, like the other day, I was kind of lost in my own thoughts regarding the moving goalpost that you uh, just mentioned, because, you know, for so long, uh, in my younger, younger days, you know, I had all these plans of like, I, I want to get the bachelor's degree, and then I want to do this as a career. And I want to, you know, uh, get engaged by the time I'm 24, have, you know, or sorry, get engaged early, uh, married by the time I'm 24, have kids by 26, etc. right, and do all these plans. And then when life kind of went off a cliff, uh, you know, then I was like, okay, well, now I need to, you know, be the comeback kid, right? And I like, you know, got to squirrel away my pennies and get to the certain stages of life. And so for so long, I have had these goals, and I adjusted the goals as needed. Um, but then, you know, what's the highest you can get for education? Okay, well, you get your doctorate. Okay, well, I've got that. And then what are we supposed to do, quote, unquote, for the American dream, right? Well, you're supposed to like, you know, own a house and have a family, right? And a list and so- in the uh, world championship, baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Different like, American dream. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, so I've, I've, I've got a house. I have the doctorate. I've got the family. And so it's like, and for so long, these were goals that I was chasing. And so it's, you know, gave you that drive and that, you know, like, oh, once I get there, things will feel different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, once I hit that goal and then now I'm here and it's like, well, no, it's the same as ever. Like, you know, life doesn't change. Uh, and so I think to your point about people shifting the goalpost, I think that's a large part of the problem is mm-hmm. I think that people just need to get comfortable in their own skin and where they're at now, because rather than saying, okay, well, what's next? What, what's the next goal I conquer instead? I'm just like, man, I, I just want to crack a bottle of wine. Like yesterday I opened a bottle of wine. I threw some, I just bought a grill. So I bought some steaks, tossed the steaks on the grill. It was my first time grilling steaks like outside. Cause I've never had a grill oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I was just like, man, I got this badass grill. I got steaks cooking on it. I made uh, homemade jalapeno poppers. Hadn't done that before. Ooh. Yeah. And so I got those on the grill. I'm sitting outside. I, I bought like a portable speaker, a big giant thing that connects to another one. So I got it on either side of the patio there. So I'm like playing the doors, drinking my wine, cooking the steaks and jalapeno poppers. And I'm like, what other goals do I need to chase? This is awesome. I just need good food, good wine, good music. And, you know, call it a day. The only thing you carry into the ground with you are your experiences, my friend. And that, yeah, something I definitely am starting to emphasize and cherish a lot as I start to kind of change my perspective on reality going forward is, yeah, it's very much similar. Just like, hey, I'm having a great meal. I'm enjoying my wife's company. I'm having a great conversation with my friends where we can sit and peel open the, you know, onions that are our brains and sort of get to the gray meat of the matter. And uh, I, I think that's fantastic. So, and now Michael's off to to chase his aspirations and split the atom. I just want to graduate. That's all I want. (laughs) Want to get to that goalpost? That's my only goal. And like beyond that, ah, I've graduated. That's more than I could say. All right, the box. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, speaking of perspectives, have you guys ever seen the film Gaslight? The gaslighting or Gaslight? Are you telling? Are you gaslighting me on the movie Gaslight? Are you telling me I should see it? Well, I'm saying it doesn't exist. You. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, so it's like a 1942 film and then was remade in 44. I saw the 44 version. It came, you know, only two years later. I saw the, the 44 version just the other night. How fucking old uh, are you? <laughs> he saw it when it was in theaters. So only two right. years later, I had just escaped the Nazis and uh, I thought, you know, fuck it. I'm going to go watch a movie. I'm going to watch yeah. a talkie. I heard that. I heard about them. They're pretty cool. They're pretty I, new. I like it when well, the lights go down. It's just well, me and my ghosts. Say, I was going to say you guys are film buffs, but not so much Michael. But Shane, you like it. <laughs> I do enjoy cinema from time to time. But as we've proven, apparently, I don't like the right cinema. And uh, oh, that's important. <laughs> and the wrong cinema, for those who are keeping track, is Kirsten Cinema. So just, mm-hmm. you know, check that off of the books. Through that. Anyway. Well, I was just thinking, because, like, you know, we were talking about perspectives, and obviously the term gaslighting is very popular today mm-hmm. and utilized. And I had never seen the film, so it was, um, I thought, oh, what the heck, it's on HBO. Uh, so I thought, oh, what, what the heck, why not uh, give it a shot? And uh, it was really good. So mm-hmm. highly recommend. And is you know, kind of neat just to 
you know, because even though it is like, you know, 80 years old now, uh, the, you, I can really actually see why the term gaslighting is so popular just because the, the actions in the film, you're like, Oh, I see people do this kind of stuff all the time to people and make them question their own perspectives and distrust their own memory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it just, you know, kind of ties in with our conversation about religion and stuff, because, you know, if you start to question your own judgments, your own self and like not believe, you know, what believe your own eyes, mm-hmm. uh, it's very easy to, to, to get manipulated by other people. Well, you know, you talk about science and things sort of being able to cultivate a, a greater understanding. Like I was just listening to a last pod episode, and I'm going to forget the individual's name, but it's, it's kind of a lesser known uh, killer. But he was somebody who had schizophrenia in the 60s and 70s and, you know, went undiagnosed. And he was having full on hallucinations that were spurring him into the acts that he was doing, which was like, burn your house down around you, go out and kill God has sort of dubbed you the angel of death go kill every human being on the planet but first you needed to cut their penises off in order to you know ensure that they kept propagating like weird shit happening and you know no one he just to all external appearances seemed like a perfectly reasonable rational person who would then beat his children behind closed doors and you well, know isn't that the way of, it always is though the, the neighbors and stuff are just like it seems how everybody seem like the nicest guy if we've learned well uh they did not say that for another uh philadelphia killer that we've talked about on this particular show like that guy seemed crazy he shot a cop in the front yard he was boiling heads on his stoves go back and, and look in the archives kids there's some glorious uh you know material for you to catch up on there but um where i was rounding into with all of this nonsense is just it's it's strange the greater understanding that we get of people's circumstances and what can impact your perspective as well so looking back at a film about gaslighting somebody from the 40s versus you know what the current iterative phase of is like just telling somebody a joke and and lulling them into a false sense of security about a joke oh you're gaslighting me it's like okay context is really important circumstances are really important to understand. And I think we lose a lot of that with empathy or a lack thereof, as much as we claim that we are all empathic creatures these days. Well, so, so much people of people's conduct. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, we, we went on a very meandering and, and serpentine path through the course of this discussion, but I think I have a, a great idea to, uh, to wrap this episode up and Ooh. give us a hook into oh. ensuring that we have got some after dark fodder going further. Uh, Ooh, I got the goosebumps. Get excited. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, we can say if you're interested in hearing what happened to Shane, the uh, stodgiest and stiffest of starched shirts at age 18 in Las Vegas, you can join us over on the tubes of you and we'll have a brief discussion about uh, one, what I thought about the uh, the last couple episodes, because I feel like there were some discussion points that uh, we can Uh-oh. touch on. But well, I do feel. Did you already admit that you only listened to part of the first one and then kept? Uh, I got into some discussion about the Harry Potter fandom in the second episode okay. as well. But I just didn't finish it. So but um, and I also have held to the belief that one, if you're not on the show, you don't necessarily get to interject your opinion. Because if you you weren't around, like shut oh, the hell up. I clearly up. didn't you have that opinion, like, <laughs> which is how I ended up on the show. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but for me, like it's fun to audit and then you know just have to be subject to, which is where you and I started having conversations online because you wanted to be a part of the conversation. But it, I feel like it's fun to cause that to go elsewhere and and germinate offline, which is why you're not a host. Um, Wow. I'm kidding. Wow. No, you, said, you said that I couldn't take it back, and I can tell you I will take it back whenever I damn well please. Uh, but no, I will talk about my perspective as to uh, what constitutes a host of this show or does not, and that'll be a fun bit of discourse. Ooh, okay, now and, I'm, I also am going to YouTube to see this conversation. Uh-huh, it'll be fun. And then you can hear about what happened to me in Vegas when I was at the tender age of 18, just, you know, blooming into manhood. And, and for so, those of you currently on the way to turning 18 years old, instead of going to Vegas, where you Calm two down. will have no fun, make your way to uh, Alberta, Canada, where the legal drinking age is 18 years old. You don't have to get drunk to have a good time, Michael. 
Uh, I don't think the other Mike. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, that's what I was saying is I don't think the other Michael would agree with you based on the conversation earlier. He's talking to me. He's talking to me. (laughs) I saw his eyes light up when he's like, "I could have been drunk this whole time." (laughs) Oh man! (laughs) Oh, laws is. But uh, so um, also, I was going to hark back on something that we just completely blew by, but I'm going to call it up. Like, do you think that ghetto blaster is an appropriate term to use? Okay, thank you for bringing that up. Thank you, bastards. Okay, so the only reason I I saw your your eyebrows raised, I was joking about this with Melissa because I was watching. There's a lot of discussion about like homeless uh, encampments in San Francisco, in particular, or Oakland, and then there's a lot of stuff around Portland where there's some pretty radical things happening, a lot of break-ins and uh, folks talking about sort of. But in there's a new term, which to me is a new term. Here's privileged white male again. People um, experience homelessness they refer to them as the unhoused oh, oh yeah. interesting mm-hmm. i've heard that i've, I've heard I had don't not, call them homeless i've heard I, say they're experiencing homelessness uh-huh. but unhoused is new yeah the unhoused is so in all of the news uh, reports that i saw over the past like three or four days they're referring to this so the unhoused in the area and i went Wow, that's oh. a new one. So as as much as we talk about, one, people looking to be offended, but also that we continually are now really retconning and, and choosing our, our language a little bit more purposefully these days, which I can both appreciate and sort of rail against because, again, white yeah. man. But uh, it, it's one of those – it's interesting when you have to – as a lover of language – I appreciate the forethought that is necessary in order to function these days. But at the same time, I do kind of laugh that, okay, if you're going to refer to a, a wife beater shirt. Well, what is that? Okay. No, it's a guinea tea. No, can't say that. Boop. Uh, it, you know, like, what do you call those things? The tank top. Oh, okay. But, yeah, you no, know. I, so, so I, I agree that a wife beater should be retired. I also would say that I should probably remove ghetto blaster from my lexicon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, uh, so I, I saw your eyebrows raised when I said it. And the moment it left my, my lips and I saw both of you make a little face, well, I thought to myself, I should have said stereo. I thought that in my head and I was like, just keep going. Don't yep. draw attention to it. And the yep. conversation will move on. But, uh, but, I would say that it is just something that, you know, it's what they called it when I was a kid. I know. And um, here's the funny <laughs> thing about the guy who is normally trying to be like in the day before, you know, nicer, kinder, gentler Shane came along. <laughs> the incendiary guy who was just trying to make Michael have to bleep as many things as possible on oh, the episode man. by Oof. using words like guinea, which I shouldn't have said either. So uh, we'll just run any way you want to. But like, I, I also find that people who are thwarted by language to the fact that like just the the word bothers them just in and of itself and you know you you grasp your pearls and scream yeah like you just saw a rat running across the floor i'm like they're man we can go dovetail this is well, why i so, love this show is yeah. you know we, we start and then we'll never stop well but, just to touch on what you were saying real quick so i i agree you know ghetto blasters should get retired that's just something that exists from Back in the day when I was a kid, I have <laughs> since removed certain language. Uh, like the I apology used to, coming. Well, like when I'm I was in high man. school. <laughs> well, when I when I was in high school, big thing that people would say is like, you know, like let's say you got shortchanged, you'd be like, oh man, you got gypped by the cashier, or mm-hmm. oh, you got Jewed by the cashier. And like in retrospect, you know, like at the time, you're like 14 years old. You don't, you're not associating the term, oh, you got Jewed with like Jewish people and, uh-huh. and all the negative connotations. Yeah, you that, don't think about stereotypes. it. Well, yeah, and so, I mean, Jip is also... Well, that's, that's it's, my, yeah, that's yeah, why I brought yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gypsies and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You don't think about either one of those. And it was only later when I was like, oh, that sounds terrible. And now that I know, you know, we, we know better, we, we do better. Yeah. Uh, that being said... Uh, with regards to the homeless uh, versus unhoused bit, I would rally against that. I was, uh, you know, I, to me, that is a a a way of distracting from the actual conversation. People can start to talk. Oh, we should refer to them as unhoused because it's not reflective of their feelings if we say they're homeless and stuff. I'm like, who they they uh, trust me? I know. Uh, they have bigger fish to what, fry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, I for those 18 months, I didn't give a shit what you called me. Just feed me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I I think the. Because I've actually heard that term for for a couple of years now mm, uh, in, okay. in the podcasts I listen to and stuff like that. And I think the, the main difference between them is that people can find a home, uh, especially like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a shelter of sorts. It can be a home as in like 
they are part of the encampment because there were there are people that are totally okay with living in these encampments. That's the community. Not, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's the community. Um, that's something that I've been following a lot with the people that have been uh, part of the forest defense in Atlanta, mm. uh, which is the stop stop cop city uh, movement and everything that's going on, which is a a, a big thing that I don't want to talk about right now. But uh, the idea is that like you can still have a home, but you can be still on the the street of sort. And I so, it, it, it's not necessarily saying that you can't say homeless, but that people like. Some people would rather prefer them call themselves unhoused because they don't necessarily have a permanent shelter, but they still have a place of community, a place of belonging. And I think it's mainly just like the argument it's semantics of like, and yes, and yeah, I would and yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna rally against it still because again I I'm mean, a far fair. cry I'm a I'm a far cry from that, but I would say I would say that of us and probably and all the people that I've heard having those conversations, same same thing applies to them. Of them, I'm probably a little bit more like knowledgeable of the subject, and, and, and at least in my experience, which again, I don't claim to speak on behalf Fair. of all people in there, right, right. but in my experience and the people that I interacted with at the time, uh, we never sat around talking about what would we like to be called? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's you know, not or, a club. And, yeah, yeah. And if somebody was like, Mike, you're homeless, I would never be like, how dare you? <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's a, I think that part is like the idea that people would be offended or upset by the use of the term experiencing homelessness or something like that. And I, I that's that's like the difference. Like to me, it does as as a with all the privilege, um, it, it doesn't matter to me so much. But I know some people would prefer the term unhoused because there's still that sense of community. It's mm-hmm. it's if you argue that house is the same thing as a home or if there is a difference. I think that's the main reason why yeah, people would prefer unhoused and not. Right. If you don't see a difference, then it doesn't necessarily Well, if you're matter. going around calling them community-less, then I'd be like, oh, that's kind of harsh. I mean, they've got their own you know, community. Fair. And, no, you know, that's fair. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so if we were saying, oh, you know, these poor community-less people, then I'd be like, oh, that's kind of harsh. But if we're going to get into the semantics of don't call them homeless, call them unhoused because a house isn't a home. And I'm like... Well, it kind of is in the same thing. Like I, I bought a home, but I also bought a house. I mean, it's, you know. So then you're getting into the weeds of it, and I'm well, like, eh. so to to act as an arbitrator, what I will say is, I think one, I can appreciate people who are actively trying to recalibrate their brains and to help to be warmer and gentler and kind and consider other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. So I'll applaud anybody who takes steps to actively course correct themselves and so it was like teachable moment yeah yes and no if you're gonna rally against it and hop on a podcast and say something i'd say how about you buy some wonder bread some peanut butter and jelly make some sandwiches and go hand those out then you're actually doing something i'll applaud that but words are wind they don't mean anything but you know the sentiment i can appreciate if if we're you know from the if we're taking an ethical stance if you're not, you know, inactivity, yes, is kind of attrition in and of itself. But at the same time, I think like if you're, you know, the first rule of being a doctor here and you being one first do no harm. I think if that is something we can all adopt is at least just in our day to day life. If I'm not actively trying to step on people's toes, which if you listen to episodes of this show from a you know a year ago is a dramatically different stance, but like <laughs> trying to be comedically in you know incendiary to get a laugh versus how i actually comport myself out in the world is yeah that i think if anybody's out there just trying to be decent i'm not going to harangue somebody for that but if you are taking somebody to task for not saying you know the appropriate term i do somewhat question what your motivation is for that and i so i do agree that cynicism does extend into my own brain i just don't feel one and impassioned enough about it to be like well let me tell you why you shouldn't use this i was like if you're making a step cool well i mean listen i'm getting old too like i'm a i was a millennial homeless or unhoused person yeah so i thought you were gonna say i don't know what the gen z unhoused people want like maybe those maybe the maybe the youngins that are without a home right now or without a house or whatever maybe they would get incensed to being called homeless maybe Maybe well, maybe yeah, you're talking working. about like Freegans as well, who yeah. by rationale willfully take that on themselves, and that is an ethos and that they're espousing. So maybe they would get offended. Who knows? To yeah, your point, I, yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, we've so. spooled out another uh, 10 minutes after I said <laughs> that I was going to cut this thing off. So uh, to keep us within our usual regimented time frame, uh, for all of you who are out there, we thank you for being here. As always, we love and appreciate you for listening. And it truly uh, it enriches our lives when you are here and take part and exchange. And that's how Michael got on the show. It's how uh, Jess is here and, and having conversations with us. So we love and appreciate. And uh, Melanie, uh, my good friend, was clamoring for just a single show where she and doc talk about star trek so oh, if you look at our that. instagram oh, uh, i would love that comments. and then we could uh we could get people to bump that on their ghetto blast oh cut this cut this cut. <laughs> live long and prosper my ass apparently but uh so i think uh, we appreciate you all being here and maybe we can make that happen so melanie if you're still yeah, running uh you know we'll we'll see what we can do to facilitate that and then i'll return to my having uh, star wars discussions elsewhere but uh for those of you who want to catch up with us yes uh there is a link in the show notes that'll take you to all of our relevant or irrelevant socials you can find us there including youtube where we usually are going to have content uh you know it typically fridays at 10 a.m mountain time just to keep you engaged there but that's our after dark or or before dawn as i'm calling our pre-roll things and uh, try to keep things entertaining and, and engrossing and uh, michael's trying to get them shorts back active but uh folks oh, aren't picking them up anymore they flopped, so. they flopped hard <laughs> but oh. uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get that improved so you want to hear me talk about uh, vegas and and craziness and uh, what my thoughts were on the last couple of weeks episode come join us on youtube in the upcoming friday milieu so that we can have fun and, and uh, enjoy ourselves there but to wrap things up for the disinformed podcast this evening i will steal my old catchphrase to keep it in the uh, more saintly behavior that i was talking about and say that i hope something great happens to you today and for the disinformed podcast this week i'm shane and, and i'm michael, michael. And zippity zoop, we're out of here. Oh, it was so rewarding when I got to do that last week. Ah, I'm sure that you were just <laughs> creaming your jeans. <laughs>